Hey guys, welcome to episode 3 of Pop Collaborate and Listen. My name is Dave Fensum. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about Sinead O'Connor's album, uh, I Do Not Want What I Do Not Have. Um, as we said before, this is the, uh, the sound recording is a little bit of a work in progress. I think we're, I think we're getting there. Uh, what you are going to notice on this one possibly is if you hear a little bit of snuffling here and there, uh, the lesson that we learned this week uh, is that if you're going to record in a room with pets in, you need to take their collars off. So if you hear a little bit of snuffling or bells, that's my cat Spooky or uh, my dog Waffles making a bit of noise. Uh, they're both incredibly adorable, so we'll let them off the hook. Uh, this week's podcast is brought to you, as always, by On The Edge Com- Comedy. On the Edge Comedy is Brighton's best new material night. Twice a month we bring you some of the best comics from the up-and-coming scene with a professional headliner. And yeah, it's upstairs at the Carolina Brunswick, first and third Fridays of the month. Very cheap, very good evening. Please, if you're in the Brighton area, come along. Um, what's going on in my world at the minute? Well, I'm incredibly jet-lagged. I've uh, just got back from Atlanta where I ate basically my body weight in food uh, every day. So now I feel like I'm wearing a puffer jacket made of my own flesh. It's an uncomfortable situation, but um, it was worth it for a lot of fried chicken. Um, thank you so much, guys, for all your feedback on the podcast so far. Yeah, we had a really interesting launch last week. Some really nice tweets coming our way. Um, if you don't follow us on Twitter, please do so. It's PCL Podcast at Twitter. So, you know, it's not. It's at PCL Podcast. Instagram is at PCL Podcast as well. And, yeah, I mean, you can find us on Facebook and all the normal spots. Uh, you got any feedback at all about the show? Anything you'd like to hear? Anything you like that we're doing? Anything that we don't like that we're doing? Uh, please get in touch. And as with all of these things, please do go uh, on iTunes, like and subscribe and do all of those kind of good bits and pieces because uh, I'm not sure why, but everyone asks you to do it, so it must be good, eh? Anyway, without any further ado, we're going to crack on with a podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Pop Collaborate and Listen podcast, the podcast where we listen and review every single number one UK album of the 1990s. Why are we doing this? Um, Mental illness, too much time on our hands, idiocy, uh, high self-opinion. My name is Dave Fensum. I'm Chris DeGreer. Uh, and yeah, so week three, let's not mess about. What's, the, what's this week's album, Krista? This week we are listening to Sinead O'Connor's I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got. Okay, that's quite a long title. Yes, uh, well, she had a lot to say. Yeah, I mean, she really did. She really did, yes. Still has, mate, still has. <laughs> Quite. Okay, so uh, where are we in the year at this point? Right, so basically what we've done, uh, if, you, if you've heard the first two podcasts, we had Phil Collins, but seriously, uh, and then we had the, the Christian's Colour. Phil Collins was number one for pretty much the entire first three months of the year. This one came in after his tenure at the end of March. So the weekend, the 24th of March, 1990, wow. Sinead O'Connor got to number one. And it's only for one week as well. Right. We're ham- only for one week? Only for only, only one week at number one. Than that. Yeah. I mean, the, the single... Uh, I mean, yeah. the, the lead single was enormous, wasn't it? Yes, indeed. Well, we'll yeah. get to that later, though. Yes, we'll but that uh, album just for one week. Well, let's start, as always, with the album cover. Yes. 
Yes, indeed. Yeah, I'm getting a bit of deja vu here, mate. Are you? <laughs> I'm sure we've seen this. Was, it, was this what you had to do in 1990 to get another one? I don't know, mate. It's like you know what we're alluding to here. Basically, is the uh, the, the album cover. It is uh, a, a plaintive face, softly lit, bit of shadow, uh, up close on a black background. Which, if you were listening two weeks ago, is exactly. The same as Phil Collins, but seriously, album cover. Yeah, it is. It's, it's uh, almost the, the kind of the mirror of that. You know, yeah. Phil's looking one way, Sinead's looking the other direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, got the male, the female, but it's very, very of a type. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I don't know, I don't know why. I, mean, I was when I was thinking about this, I was going, oh, well, how pissed off must she must she must have been when she saw that album cover? But to be fair, three months is long enough to redo it, isn't it? That's true enough. Well, or maybe she saw the album cover and went, oh, balls, well, I've, I've done the same thing. But he's number one for three months, so maybe uh, this is why he's. Do we think it. that record sales matter to Sinead O'Connor? Nah, true enough. Yeah. But they did matter to, uh, was it Fontana? I think she was on. They'll matter to the label and they'll have gone, no, nope, mate, do it. That's what we're doing. Right, I've got the CD around here somewhere, so I should be able to tell you. Because, uh, yeah, I bought it off Music Magpie. Of course I did. Um, <laughs> well, this is the other thing. At the time, did you know this this album? No, do you know what? I didn't know this album. I knew, uh, in fact, I only knew uh, Nothing Compares to You. Right. But I knew that very well, obviously. It was it was prevalent everywhere for, that, yeah, yeah. for most of the, the early part of that year. So, yeah, I've got I've got no relationship to this record. No. Um, we'll get into some of this stuff as we go through the record. Obviously, I mean, I, Sinead O'Connor is quite a, a public persona, isn't she? Oh, absolutely. As soon as she came out... Uh, and started talking to the press and there were stories about her. It was a very big personality, big story. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you know, the thing I don't want to dwell upon throughout a lot of this is obviously she's had a fairly, you know, she's had a fairly troubled life. She's obviously had a lot of struggles with mental illness. Uh-huh. You know, whilst we try and be pretty irreverent in this podcast, I don't want to be taking the piss out of someone who's ill. Uh, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, certainly some very interesting stuff that's going to come out of this record. Yes, there are some subjects that we're going to be hitting upon that are definitely serious subjects. Yeah, I mean, I'd say we're in, from the from uh, the first two records, which you know, the the, the Phil and the, the Christians, which kind of quite in that pop mold. I think we're getting into slightly heavier territory here. Very much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Phil had the heavy subjects. He was dealing with famine and uh, homelessness and stuff, but. You didn't actually think that he'd any experience with no, that. Mate, Sinead like, is in absolutely ensconced in everything yeah, she's talking yeah, about. Yeah, you would, you, you know, Phil had done whatever the early nineties equivalent of Wikipedia in something was. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, yes, I must um, admit, I, you know, even you know, growing up in Ireland and stuff, I was only aware of Sinead O'Connor very on the sort of peripheries at yeah. this time. Right. I had heard Mandinka. Yeah, um, I love that when it came out. That's a great tune. That is a great, great yeah, yeah. tune. A mate of mine put it on mixtape in whatever '89 or something like that, and that was my first exposure to her. But I knew nothing else about it at all, which actually made it a bit weird when nothing compares to you came out. I was thinking this does not sound like the same person. No, exactly that. Exactly yeah, that. I wasn't expecting this hmm. from the one song I knew of her. So yeah, I had no relationship with this album either at all. Okay. Yeah, brand new to this. Whenever we went into it for, for this podcast. Fair enough. Uh, probably, I mean, there's not really a huge amount that we can say about the record cover other than it looks like the Phil Collins one. It's very tastefully done. I mean, she's got very striking eyes as well. Indeed. And, I mean, also, I suppose whenever you look at it, it 
it is reminiscent of the video for Nothing Can Bend sure. You. So maybe yeah. that's why they've done it as well. Exactly. It, it, you know, it, it hits something in your memory and you go, oh yeah, I've seen that. Okay. All right. And so, um, right. So we crack straight in with the uh, the first track. Yes. Uh, yeah. Let's might as well go for it. We'll go for track one. Track one is called "Feel So Different," and it is it's a kind of a slow starter. This one. So I'll hit play, and we'll take it from here. To change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's my uh, therapist's favourite quote. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> True story. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a. I, f- I find this a very strange way to start an album. Yeah, I I think it's I don't know it's 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 very sparse. Mm-hmm. You've got this really kind of restrained vocal. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's it's kind of like a real slow build into into something. Yeah, true. Yeah, but I think straight away we're into the fact that with most of this record, a lot of it is about the lyrical content. Definitely, I think it's lyrical content, but also her voice. Yeah, yeah, and this is fair enough. You kind of immediately you got this lovely uh, voice yeah. that she's she's bringing to the fore, but it's a build up to the, the kind of the more histrionic stuff that she can do. Yeah. I suppose it's yeah, it's, it's it's an introduction to that. Yeah, and it's got this kind of like really kind of tight string arrangement underneath it that just kind of lilts along and builds slowly. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'll pause yeah. it here anyway. That's, yeah, that's enough for that. I mean, there's that lyric in there. I think it's just as you stopped it. I have not seen freedom before. Yeah, and I mean, that's like, I, I mean, all this whole song's about some kind of. Uh, it's all addressed at someone, okay. Mm-hmm. But look, like a lot of this record, it's she's talking in. I've worked this out, but everything about it says I'm trying to work this out. It's okay. Con- it's about conflict. Or so much. Right. She's like just you know fighting against herself throughout. Okay, and, and presumably at that point, kind of a journey because if she, like she did have a troubled childhood, yeah. you know, uh, lots of troubles with her mum, mm-hmm. and she, she's finding her way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably that. Yeah. Probably that. that yeah, I'd say that's a, a fair indication. Yeah. So obviously, start with this quote that said, "Grant me serenity." So it's all about. I mean, I mean, that's that's very much a, a, a quote that's. that's aimed at people who are trying to find their place in the world okay tied in with mindfulness it's a it's a very very popular quote for yeah. people that have internal conflict which gets in their way people that are seeking therapy yeah right uh, and that for me it's pretty much the perfect way to start this okay. record in terms of what the intention of it is i suppose it also it brings in the the first hint of religion as well because she's yeah. saying god it doesn't have to be god grant me yeah. but she says she does make it that way so there's that first little mention of religion as well as finding her own path yeah exactly that so yeah I mean like in short very sparse very restrained not someone who's not you know kind of the opposite of the Christians last week this is someone who has an awful lot of ability but is in no great hurry to show it off yeah that's true actually Um, and you know the power of it uh, comes from its simplicity. I think it's a great. I, I think it's. I think it's good. We're not in singles banger territory, but the first. But I, I am instantly interested in trying to go. Okay, well, what's this about? It feels like someone that's got something to say. 
Right, yes, that's true enough. Yeah. I also, I like as well, um, because if you look at the producers of the album, one of them is Nelly Hooper. Right. It obviously made it massive the year before with Soul to Soul. Yeah. And I think this, the, 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 the strings and the backing track, if you put a big breakbeat over it, yeah. it, then you could have, it's, it's almost like a Soul to Soul track. Absolutely. And, oh, and, and he's, or rather, Sinead maybe has spotted that her take on that. Yeah, is is going a different direction. It's not going to be the big uh, chart banger, dance floor hit, or anything like that. But the the kind of the passion and the the tunefulness that Nelly Hooper is able to provide yeah. on a very instrumental backing works really well for her voice in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. On a side note, though, if mm. your name was Nelly Hooper growing up in Ireland, would you have the piss taken out of you? Well, well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Right, let's move on. Just for the listener's pleasure, let's play a little more of when it gets into the the more dramatic bit of it here. Yeah, I I think those strings are lovely in the background there. Works really well. It's almost Bond. Yeah, I bet you'd hate to hear that. Well, yeah, now the, the drama, etc. I miss that, though. So nice. It is lovely. Yeah, my, okay. No, I, I agree. This is a good tune. I, From your point of view, I see it is a very good opener in terms of intriguing you. Yeah. Um, I just... I wonder if I'd heard this at the time as a 15-year-old, yeah. would I have gone, meh, whatever. I don't think she was aiming this at 15-year-old. Well, no, no, absolutely. But this is probably why I wasn't listening to yeah. Janet O'Connor at For 15. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah, absolutely, it, it works. It's a goodie. But then we move into a very different, uh, feels a different kind of mood. Yeah, I am stretched on your grave. Too. Track two, which again, from reading up on this sort of thing, is an old 17th century poem that was uh, written in Irish and translated into English. Oh, really? Yeah, in 1979. And so oh, okay. it's it's an old old poem um, that presumably is. You know, spoken word of mouth throughout families in Ireland, whatever. That's how you'd hear it. Okay, I imagine that's the thing. But it's it's a weird one. So well, I see. Not knowing that, I had a very different take on what this song might have been about. Well, okay, hit the, hit the well, uh, let's hit go play. For it. it's, uh... Now I'm going to be honest with you, mate. <laughs> when we start, when when I put this CD in to listen to it, yeah, I didn't put the CD in. Yeah, yeah. I did not expect to hear the funky drummer break. No, absolutely not. <laughs> that was not what I was... <laughs> Again, going into this knowing, yeah, like I say, Mandinka, uh, nothing compares, and then knowing a little bit of what she'd done in her yeah. future. I was not expecting that. I kind of thought that Madonna had the... Oh, yeah, the, the lockdown on using <laughs> James Brown rape beats appropriated from Public Enemy right, yeah, yeah. whilst talking about Catholic guilt, but apparently not. <laughs> apparently it was a bigger market than I realised. <laughs> God, no. This is this is a bizarre one. It's like I say, it's a 17th century poem. Yeah, and then they've put you know the most sampled drum beat in the world. Okay, because that, that, that kind of makes sense. But obviously, you've got this. You've got a very f- a folky traditional vocal from her in this. Yes, indeed. Yeah. That is, you know, it's kind of it's slightly different to her normal vocal. I think it's definitely got that kind of down by the uh, down by the campfire. I say campfire. I mean peat bog. Yeah, um, indeed. Yeah, it's it's more of the. Uh, the Irish traditional coming out yeah for sure and also I think her vocals are lower in the mix mm. on this one 
Yeah, well, you got the break all over it. It's interesting yeah. that you should say coming out, though, because I thought from a couple of lyrics in this, this was about like repressed sexuality oh. and possibly I thought this was maybe about her having an encounter with a, 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 with a woman. Obviously, right. it makes sense now because obviously, if, it's, if something's been translated, it probably was. A, it may have originally been written by a man. So, oh yeah, because there's these lines in here about um, uh, thanks be to Jesus, we did what was right, and your maiden head. Yeah, it's still remained. the color of light. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that stood out to me. Has a bit. I mean, to be fair, or even if it is written from the point of view of a young man in yeah. the 17th century, it's just a little strange thing to to put into a poem. People talk about you know that kind of thing all the time. I mean, if it was an R. Kelly song, obviously it would be different. <laughs> but... <laughs> yes, but yeah, and I so, I mean, I say no, but, but well, pres- that may be absolutely why she decided to do it because doing it from her point of view, yeah. but not changing the genders of the. The protagonists in the poem, yeah. So it's a woman talking about a woman. Mm. Maybe that is something why she did it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, either way, there is a, a thick layer of Catholic guilt all over this song. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the repression and all of these kind of things. Yeah. Um. Right. So we're talking about the first part of the song in a minute. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel about this breakbeat with this thing? Do you think it goes? They, they sit together? No, I think it's I think it's incongruous and done because. That's what people were doing, probably in 1989 when this was recorded. Yeah, I mean, I think like so. This is this is my the way I thought. Okay, I went. Okay, this is incro. It, it sounded jarring to me. Yeah. Okay, but I kind of got used to it, and I went, "Oh, actually, this oh, this is working for me on a level." Right? Yeah. And then they started with the fiddly dee bullshit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. And and th- then it lost me entirely. It's like I I mean. That's not me slanging off Irish folk music, right? But there's a time and a place. <laughs> Is that time Ireland in the 17th century? Yeah, well, you know, just just somewhere where you're expecting it, really. I just think it's, I just think it's bad fault to drop it on someone unsuspected. <laughs> no, you're true. I mean, I'll see if I can find the, the the bit here, but it does. It goes from like this has been happening for four minutes at this point. These kind of big beats yeah. again. Nelly Hooper all over this, and then oh my god. Why? And then they're, they're, hold on, is that Michael Flatley coming in <laughs> over the hill? Yeah. <laughs> See what this reminds me of. Okay, and obviously it's a different type of kelp. But um, when you're in Edinburgh for the festival, you know, every time you walk over the bridge, there's always one shop, and they're blasting out like this bagpipe music that's got a big beat behind it. And oh, it's really? Like, it's like, uh... mate, this is this is music for magicians. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> music for fucking magicians. <laughs> Okay, so uh, thumbs up or thumbs down on this? Uh, I, I'm going to go... I'm, I'm going to cop out of that and say no, neither. Because I don't hate it. absolutely don't hate it. But I, I, don't, I don't like what she's doing. I think it's of its time, isn't it? I think that's... Uh, Very true, yeah. Yeah, I think it's... You know, you, you've got to go through this experiment of doing stuff to work out. Oh, no, that's a terrible idea. Let's not do that again. Right, yeah. Right? And unless you're the Dropkick Murphys and you make a career <laughs> of it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Again, I assume it was one of those things that she probably wanted to do. She loved the poem and whatever, and she wanted to do a version. And in 1990, that's how you did it. Because suddenly had these these breaks in the charts for every single big song, and you did that. And then, for her own reasons, she threw the fiddles in the end. Yeah, I mean, no one's perfect. Well, quite. It's, 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 I say it's fine. I'll tell you what I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have put it as track two. No, I don't think I would have either. I think I'd put it as a B side, B side, or right at the end. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Yeah. Okay, so um, right. Okay, right. but no. Oh, yeah, I'm saying ambivalent to that. 
Yeah, fair enough. I'll give you that. Fine. Next one, though. Um, yeah, next one. Um, track three, Three Babies. Three Babies, indeed. And um, this one was a single. This was actually a single off the album. Yeah, and when I was looking at the lyrics, I saw a, a different cover, so I presumed it was. Right, um, yeah. It was the last single off the right, album, okay. so it enough. wasn't. they weren't looking for a hit off it or anything like that, but... They, yeah. they needed something to put out it, it, it seems to have a lot of love online actually this song it seems to mean a yeah. lot to a lot of people can, uh, yeah. anyway so let's go with the right well, okay well, let's uh, start it off So we're. This is kind of the time for the song, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's quite one note, which is which is which sounds more damning than I mean it to. Okay. Right. It doesn't do much beyond this. No. She goes. She goes up uh, in the chorus. It's it's more of a the 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 high pitched and uh, the more kind of. Yeah, anguished bit of the, the chorus, but yeah, no, the, the majority is like this. No, but anguish is a good word. Obviously, I mean, this is you know, this is a song about, I mean, most likely miscarriage. It is because we know we know that Sinead experienced some miscarriages, yeah. uh, and you know, the, there's, uh, you know, I mean, there's a possibility that there's possibly some you know abortion in there as well. Uh, no, I think from my reading of this one, uh, she'd had three miscarriages yeah. at this point when the, when she wrote yeah. this one. She also had a son. Yeah. Um, so she had her son, their first son, Jake. Yeah, he's referred point. to a few times in this record. Indeed, actually. yeah, yeah. I mean, because obviously it's a massive deal. I suppose after having the three miscarriages, she sure. does have a son. Yeah. Uh, but she'd had the three miscarriages. She did have an abortion, I think, after this. Yeah. After this song, but that I don't think that was part of the the this sure. this one here. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to sound like we're we're digging too deeply into someone's personal life here because we haven't. But the point is, I think the reason we have to do that with this record is because the lyrics are so direct and so personal all the time that it is very difficult to separate the two when you discuss them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, this is entirely, this is cathartic for her. Yeah, for sure. This is a tribute to her yeah. three babies. Oh, man. And, you know, cards on the table, I have my own experiences yeah. uh, with this, which makes this an incredibly difficult song for me to listen I bet, to. I bet it does. Um, and, yeah. and that's the sort of thing that you, you do read but, but online, people's responses yeah. to the video, etc. Everyone brings their own experience to this. For sure. Because... I mean, it's it's not you know, a universal experience, but it's such a widely uh, experienced experience yeah. for so many people. Yeah, without a doubt, and it is something. Uh, it is something that is not talked about a huge amount. Even it's today, it's a real. It's a. It's you know. It's a. It's a real taboo subject. It's a, it, it makes people very uncomfortable. Yeah. When you talk about it, um, so for me, uh, I think this is a great song. I genuinely mm-hmm. think this is a great. You know, anything that can elicit that level of emotion in that many people is a great song. Agreed. Um, it's as I said for me. It's a difficult one uh, to listen to. I won't be putting it on any playlist anytime sure. soon. Sure, uh, but yeah, I, I think this on the album so far. This is the first evidence of okay. This is actually a very powerful artist who's able to take a very difficult, complicated uh, subject, look, really reach into their own emotions on it, put it out on the page, kind of put it down with a beautiful vocal. Yeah, and. And just make a statement, um, and yeah, and at a time particularly when you know, yeah, this is a number one album. This is a number one album. This is not what people are necessarily. I mean, I suppose you got you know you got Tori Amos out there as well, but this sure. isn't necessarily what people are doing. No, no, not at all. Um, and 
you know, we've definitely not seen anything like this up to date with Phil and the Christians. No, and I don't know. <laughs> I mean, fuck me, I wouldn't want to hear Phil's take on this. <laughs> no, Jesus Christ. But, you know, even looking through the rest of this year's number ones that we're going to be doing, this is this is a niche yeah. that no one else is really plying that I can see. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So for me, Three Babies, I, I kind of think of it as like Requiem for a Dream. It's brilliant, but I'm not hurrying back. Yeah. No, yeah. I can be honest. I, you know, I'm lucky enough I've never had my own experiences with that. Yeah. I think this is a gorgeous song. I really yeah. do. I think it's beautifully sung. Uh, the the lyrics and the meaning of the whole thing hits with me even though I, yeah. I can't relate I think this is fantastic I really do yeah. um, and I think uh, it, you know like you say it, it is a, it's a bit one note but when we get to the chorus and, and she's going for it a bit more there's genuine emotion in that it's, it's brilliantly done and that's the thing you know I feel like like at this point we haven't really talked about just how good her voice is yeah I yeah. mean, it's just like a, you know. I mean, it's that's why she's sustained a career because it is such an icon. It's a, it's a one one of a kind voice. Yeah, really, it's no instantly recognisable. Like right. Mm. So um, on to track four. Track four. Right. Okay. So we've had one single, and then we go on to track four, which is the Emperor's New Clothes, which is also a single. Uh, this was this is a single after Nothing Compares. And I can instantly hear this. This is more of a radio-friendly track. Yeah, we're stomping, in not we? Yeah, oh yeah, it's straight in, apparently. Go, go and suddenly right in there. Yeah, it's certainly the most straight-ahead thing we've had so far. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And uh, I don't know if this is to do with... Uh, on this one, you've got Marco Peroni, ex-Adamant uh, and Susie the Banshees on oh, guitar, okay. and Andy Rourke from The Smiths on bass. You can, I can, now you said that, I can definitely hear that's where that's coming from. Right. It's got that, yeah, it's got that kind of 80s all edge, isn't it? Yeah, it, absolutely. This is probably the most like Mandinka, yeah. where it's coming from in 88. And yeah, it's got that uh, little bit. New wave. Yes, definitely. I think I have made a note of, um, it reminds me a bit of the Primitives crash. Oh, fair enough, yeah, I hear that. Yeah, and again, I don't know whether this is, actually, I'll just pause this a wee second. Uh, I don't know whether it's just because growing up in Ireland I was hearing some of these things but it reminds me of both the Fatima Mansions and that Petrol Emotion the two other Irish bands who were out at that time okay. and had that coming out of the 80s a bit uh, alternative sound that's what it reminds me of definitely. fair enough so, I, I, I put here like that kind of little break on the intro I put sounds like bat dance <laughs> it does okay. sounds like bat dance hold on let me, let me uh, get that back I'm going to listen to it with that in mind. One second. Okay. Right, yeah, absolutely. I do see that. I had not noticed that before. The greatest Prince record. The greatest Prince. It's well. not. I'm fucking joking. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm not insane. <laughs> Just, I know how much you love Prince. I didn't know whether that was the secret I did, guilty I, pleasure. I, I did actually recently just get uh, the Batman soundtrack on vinyl. I, I found it in a charity oh, shop. And dude. I do. Uh, how one, happy were you? I, I, bet. Was, I was oh so happy. I was so happy. I'm still happy. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, though, because you know, I was listening to this. It reminded me of another song. I'll see if I can find the bit I'm trying to think of. It's the Fraggle Rock. <laughs> As it comes into the chorus. Right. Oh, it's that. Every breath I take by the police. Oh no, okay, but no, it's not like a speed up version. I'm going for it. If you wanna do it, do it right, right, <laughs> dear me. 
love I'm getting that. a wham overtone. No, we'll, we'll, after we've done the nights, we'll do the 80s. We'll talk about all about wham. <laughs> God, I've got some opinions. Get Cyan, I guess, on oh, it. Oh, God, yeah. And Steve both. But, you know, exactly. It's, whenever it comes into that, you... I yeah, see that, yeah. That is a, that's actually a good chorus as well. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is a catchy, catchy song. Oh mate, this, this is a great tune. This yeah. is this is yeah. I, this is well, we will talk about the playlist stuff later. But this yeah. is. I, I mean, this was a really deserved single. Uh, yes, I would imagine this sold some copies of the album as well. I imagine. Yeah, I think it didn't apparently do very well single wise. I did, but no, uh, it did better in the US. Okay. It got picked up on kind of college rock over there, mm. but it didn't do much in the UK. Okay, I mean, cause again, I mean, I I don't know it, so I, I, I suppose mm. that is telling because I would have known it if it's yeah, a chart it didn't make any time. impression on me at the time. Okay, but a really really good song, I think. Um, but yeah. I mean, again, this is a really typical of even the poppy Sinead O'Connor stuff. On the surface, you've got like quite a big kind of pop hit mm-hmm. really actually, yeah but when you start digging into the lyrics i mean you have got uh you've got some real kind of themes of distrust of other people yeah uh there's a lot of like, that internal conflict we talked about before and my god it's paranoid well yeah i mean that that entire thing if i treated you mean i didn't mean to yeah that that kind of what it's like what do you think of me what what impression am i giving to other people yeah what what do others think of me yeah yeah definitely and yeah, I just, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I listened to this and I was like, okay, this is a great song, but Christ, you sound like you're having some problems. Mm. You know, it, it, if you actually spend any time listening to the lyrics of this album, no one should be surprised that she went on to have some fairly... Yeah, well, definitely, the, the fairly mental solid. issues. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, like the, the Emperor's New Clothes, she... People are telling her, again, I suppose that once she's getting to whatever level of success she's at at that point, she's getting... Loads of people from all different sides giving her advice, telling what they think. You should do this, or you definitely shouldn't do this. This is where you need to be, and blah blah blah. Yeah, but there's also like there's this this thing that runs all the way through this assertion, right? The way that the, the I mean, maybe it's just a confrontation of my right, but it's always I'm right about this. I'm right about this. I'm right about this. And I suppose part of that is you know when you're writing songs from a single perspective, mm-hmm. but it's like you know you, there's just something really telling about someone's how saying how they're always but that's not what anything else in the lyrics is saying the other thing else right. is saying I don't know but the tone of the direction is I'm right it's yeah. just someone that's really mixed up yeah yeah definitely and, you know, I mean don't and you know I associate with that I, I understand right. that feeling I've felt like that a lot of my life right. do you know what I mean often, so, yeah. yeah so crazy man anyway um, tell you what else you probably associate with all your life have you seen the video no some dreadful dancing in that I mean, you're talking about my dancing my dancing's amazing <laughs> What are you saying? <laughs> is, I've known Dave for what twenty years now. Yeah. yeah, your dancing is quite something. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's amazing. Hey, my dancing is fucking amazing. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. So that's the first four tracks of the album, yep. and as far as I'm concerned, that's a strong start. Yeah, uh, it, 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 it's a strange start for me, but it's a good strong beginning. Yeah, I mean we've got you know we've got a real mix of styles going on. Yeah, we? we've got you know we're going from you know I mean the, there aren't many albums where you can go okay so, so so how would you describe the first track is a kind of lilting strings it's number a swelling background yeah, yeah. a dramatic Spoken string number word. number one breakbeat with some fiddles right <laughs> <laughs> track three fucking very difficult subject matter yeah. and then track four starts off sounding like bat dance and goes new wave right it doesn't <laughs> it, it, no it's all over the place but it works yeah it's yeah it's good so far so yes absolutely right. but let's take a quick break 
and see what else was going on in the album's top 10 this week. Okay. So again, we're looking at the week uh, week ending the 24th of March, 1990. So you'd imagine stuff's moved on a bit from last time. It has, yeah. There are still some lingering. There's some people who are absolutely just ensconced in the charts and seem yeah. to be you know, staying there for a while. But we have some, some different ones. So uh, number 10, we've seen it before, Tina Turner's Foreign Affair. I guess that's just selling and selling. Sure. It's M.O.R. It's selling. Uh, number nine... We have the essential Pavarotti. Oh, uh, good. Yeah. Right, yep. Yeah. Yeah. We, we went to this Which, in the first one. There's a lot of Pavarotti in 1990. Yes, World indeed. Cup. We, we are building up to the World Cup, and yeah. people are taking advantage. They're putting these compilations together, whatever it is. Essential Pavarotti is out. Number nine, it's already started to sell. We're going to be talking more about that another time. Oh, good. Right, yeah. carry on. Uh, Michael Bolton, Soul Provider. Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Michael Bolton is everything that's great about the late... I mean, Such. is there a number one? Of, have we got a Michael Bolton album? No, oh, I, we definitely don't have this year. I'm not sure if we do uh, next couple of years or oh, not. I hope so, man. But like, I mean, this was a massive one in the states for him. Yeah, the Soul Provider one is. It's. I think it's number one in the states for a couple of weeks this year. Right. Okay. So yes, Michael Bolton's Soul Provider is uh, uh, number number eight. And let's face it, you've never heard that album. I've, I've never heard that. Album. Of course, I haven't. Absolutely Why would I? Absolutely not. I mean, you know, I wasn't someone's mum, <laughs> but. Yeah, that was a fucking big one. I'll tell you who else I reckon hasn't heard that album. Yeah. Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> what would you give for a Sinead O'Connor album of Michael Bolton covers? That would be tremendous. Or vice versa. That would be absolutely amazing. <laughs> I would only do it, though, if she was able to grow her hair right into that moment. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah, I mean... Fair yeah. enough, mate. Or, or if he shaved his head. Could he have a mullet, though? Or did he just have long, curly hair? I don't think he ever had a mullet. I suppose it wasn't really mullet, because it wasn't... It wasn't uh... Sensible at the front, was it? It no, was just big. It was just, mate, it was ex- yeah. eccentric. It yeah. was uh, curly. Big old there. Big old face. Big old yeah. face. But fair play to him for his reinvention, all that stuff he did with Lonely Island. Yeah, you got to give that. He embraced the whole thing, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. thing is, I bet you he never had to work after that album. So he doesn't give two fucks about nah. what, what he's doing, what exactly. people think. He can do whatever he wants. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Like you say, fair play. Uh, number seven, and we're going to see a few of these for some reason. I can only assume it was reissue time or something, I guess. But uh, number seven in the album charts is Iron Maiden's Flight of Icarus and The Trooper. Right, so what, they're releasing two singles as an... And that's going, going it's probably it? over the length of a single, so it's officially an album. Something like that, yes. Right. Uh, and maybe they're classing it as a mini-album, but I think they did release them all again uh, in pairs. Yeah. And this is this is one of the ones that we'll see. We'll see more in the few, next few weeks as well. Uh, Love me some Maiden, mate. I know you do. I one of the ones I never got. I mean, I was never into them at the time. Yeah. Well, when I say at the time, you know, I was fucking born in 1975. I wasn't into them at, at, in 1990 at all. Yeah. In fact, I, 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 I wasn't either. A parody. I mean, I, I mean, I, uh, I had cousins that were really into Maiden, and I just wasn't. That wasn't really my thing at the time. Uh, I, I got into Maiden really late uh, after seeing them live. Um, right. and, and normally that's what I'd say I'd say I'll go and see him live and it'll totally change perspective but I know you've seen them live yeah. and you still still don't do it for I just, I just think you've got a, a cold dead heart because <laughs> if you can't love some made alive then there's something fucking wrong with you and the thing is I know, I think one of my barriers to it is probably one of your loves of it in that it's just such pantomime oh yeah but that's yeah, that is the point of it it's yeah. you know it's it's. I mean it's oh I can't tell you all the things that I love what <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do is I'm going to put you in a room with our friend John Myers and I'm going to get him to talk yes. to you at, at, oh. About Iron Maiden for several hours. Yeah, well, um, it'll go one way or the other. And if you don't, if, uh, only one of you will come out <laughs> it's alive. <true. laughs> uh, right, number uh, six in 
No, number five, sorry, is Chris Rea, The Road to Hell, which we've, we've yeah. seen before. It's lingering around like a bad smell. Yeah. Uh, Notting Hillbillies, Missing Presumed Having a Good Time. Oh, fuck off, really? That's yeah. the worst album title isn't ever, it? isn't it? Shocking. Missing Presumed Having a Good Time. That's like the kind, of, the kind of album title for someone that's got a wacky voicemail. Yes. Uh, there's, there's a wink in that oh, yeah. title. Yeah. And the thing is, consider Who, that, was it a super group? It was, it was. It was Bob Dylan, George Harrison, Roy Orbison... Uh, Jeff Lynn, maybe Tom Petty. So it's massive people, right? And they are just—they're just fucking around. I tell you what, if someone told me that Bob Dylan was missing, I wouldn't presume he was having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't presume that anyone he was with was having a good time. <laughs> Man's never had a good time in his life. The Notting Hillbillies, fuck off. Yeah. Not interested. Carry yeah. on. Uh, then, then we go up to number four. Phil Collins, but seriously, right. still. Still, still. Well, exactly. He's, he's off number one, but he's still number four. And the thing is, like, if you're selling the number of copies you need to be number four in the UK album charts in mm-hmm. 1990, you're still selling more than probably the collective top ten now. Easily, yeah, absolutely easily. Every single week, he's selling that many. Yeah, that yeah. Is. fair days. Yeah. Uh, number three, Nigel Kennedy's Vivaldi's Four Seasons. I mean, Nigel Kennedy can fuck off, can't he? Yes. I yeah. mean, he's like fucking Jamie Oliver with a violin. Yes, indeed. He, he's uh, pretend. Cockney geezer, yeah. but a posh boy. And the thing is, I remember this happening. I remember it being an absolute uh, sort of groundbreaking thing for the classical world. That this this fucking geezer, mate. Yeah. I, mean, he was, I mean, he's not a geezer, is not he? Not at all, but he, that's the persona he put on. This, yeah. this sort of uh, anti-establishment, yeah. Yeah, almost... Johnny Rotten esque version Johnny of, Rotten. of a of oh my a God. violin player. Just sanitised bullshit though, wasn't totally. it? Totally. But you know, fair enough, not massively talented. Oh um, yeah, massively, massively talented. Not taking that away from him, you know what I mean? But no. uh, yeah. But and nor am I taking away from Jamie Oliver. I, I quite enjoy his recipe books, I'll be there you go. with you. But, no, there you go. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, and then number two is David Bowie's Changes Bowie, uh, greatest hits album. Number two. Number two. Yes. Okay. So in at number two that week. Right, fair enough. We'll talk, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, spoiler alert, that's next week's number one. Yeah. Um, it's a compilation, so we won't be talking about it in depth, but we will We will do a bit about Bowie next week, so we'll just save that for then, shall yeah, we? Yeah, precisely, exactly. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, so th- that was the top ten. In terms of other albums that were released this week, uh, ones that will never get to number one, yeah. so we're not going to be mentioning otherwise. There's not too much, to be honest. Uh, okay. It's a bit of a fallow week. The, the fall... Uh, extricate, which See, I was just never into the fall. I know. I, you know what? I I was never into the fall, mm. and I I find to be honest with you, what I've heard I don't love, mm. uh, and I find the the sheer size of that back catalogue is too intimidating for me to drop into it. It's the kind of yeah. thing where if somebody really loved the fall, did me a compilation and went right, this is where well, here's a ten track. Yeah, this is this is where you this is the stuff that I think you'll like, yeah. and I could dig into it and then have starting points, but. I don't well, know. There's just too. There's just too. As always, it's just always too much to listen to. So yeah. you know, what I'd rather do is listen specifically to number one UK nineties <laughs> album. Indeed, the Christians, you say, definitely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, wicked. I oh, know that is terrible, and I spent more time <laughs> investigating the Christians than I have before. The What's wrong with me? Jesus! If you went on Mastermind and you had to choose between one of those acts to answer questions on, it would be the Christians. Oh fuck off, man! Yeah, uh, and then I turn the gun on myself. <laughs> um, in the US. The top, uh, the number one album was Paula Abdul's "Forever Your Girl," nice. which as we've mentioned before, still number one in there. So it was "Forever Your Girl" then. It was the it first. Was. It was the first record. Yeah. Okay. We were... And number one single is Alana Miles' "Black Velvet." 
that's a song I that's a song I kind of like but kind of hate myself for liking oh really I, I thought it was brilliant I loved it uh, it's, uh, it's like you know it's it's just awful isn't it it is awful but I kind of like it Okay, let's head back into the album. Uh, so what are we on now? Track five? Track five, yes indeed. And that one is called... It's Black Boys on Mopeds. Black Boys on Mopeds. Okay. Right. Let's right. see how this one starts. So yeah, so we're we're into Billy Bragg territory, yes. kind of, aren't we? We're yeah. into a bit of a straightforward political uh, acoustic number. Yeah, absolutely. Dead ahead, like, like you say, Billy Bragg is probably the, the obvious point on that one. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's, it's a little bit on the nose, obviously. Well, yeah, she's making a very specific point. Yeah, but again, she was making a very specific point. I mean, Black Boys and Motorheads. It's about uh, it's about a guy that was. Uh, Basically chased by the police because uh, they suspected the moped was stolen, yep. um, and in it, trying to evade, he crashed the bike and and died. Yep. Um, obviously, the the subtext of this is that he was only suspected because of the colour of his skin. Yep. Uh, obviously, that's quite a relevant theme today with some of the things that are going on in For the sure, world. Yeah, so yeah. you know, kind of disheartening that things haven't changed in that yeah. way. And uh, from reading around it, it sounds like there, were, uh, there was this guy Nicholas Bramble. There, there was some big outcries for a an investigation yeah. uh, into the whole thing, and it was brushed under the carpet. Sure, the, the way it very very often is. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, that was also part of the the righteous indignation from the public yeah absolutely I mean, you know we're in a you know we're in a strange political time you know within a couple of years you know we started to get some political riots in different places around the country mm-hmm. one of them most notably in Luton yeah I think most notably it was most notably for me I drove through it but um, <laughs> yeah I mean obviously there is another side though as as with um, uh, Sinead's stuff though it's not all it's written from a very personal perspective this because it's written about uh, the fact that she wants to leave England yeah, um, and because of she doesn't want her child to grow up yeah, in this environment. Of this yeah, exactly. Society. So, and you know, it, the, again, the the song is little uh, is littered with Bible quotes as well. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Some stuff in there. So again, it, it kind of ticks it ticks quite a few of those Sinead O'Connor boxes, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I'm, absolutely. And I mean, you're, like you say, straight in. Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. You know, anti anti Thatcher, Tiananmen Square. So lots of different political reference points straight away. I mean, I think uh, I found when I kind of dug into the lyrics and I looked at some of the references, I found some of those, I found the writing of that interesting. Mm -hmm. I went, okay, this is, you know, this is obviously, I've got some thought into it that you've thought about the thing. But I've got to say, this is not one of my favourite songs on this album. I don't think there's a real tune to it. No, it's just a bit, it's, it's very worthy. Yeah, it's 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 oh yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind it being worthy. It's just it 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 doesn't it doesn't have the some of the I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it's got the same level of ideas and in you know that the, the rest of the records got. No, no. I, mean, I again taking nothing away from the subject matter because it's obviously an important thing. But I came away going, it's a little bit Lisa Simpson. They hold the plant, but we hold the bar. You know, <laughs> that that sort of thing. It's it's sitting in right. a, a circle around a. 
around a burning oil can yeah. doing protests with some signs. Sure. Know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not a big fan of it. I think fair enough. Mm. Put it out there. Get the attention. Absolutely. And the other thing I, I was reading was that um, there's also kind of some references to the death of a guy called Colin Roach in 1983 mm-hmm. in police custody. Yeah. Uh, and the inside of the album cover has a photo of his parents holding a poster of him. Right. So she's obviously, she feels some sort of connection to that as well. Yeah. So she, she wants to be saying this. She really feels strongly sure. about this thing. It's not just on a whim. It's not a Phil Collins homeless song. Yeah, definitely. I mean, really I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, for, you know, whatever you feel about Sinead O'Connor's opinions or, or whatever, you know, I don't think you can question the fact that, that the stuff that, that everything she says is sincere. Uh, I mean, yes, I mean, you know, like beyond sincere. She really gives a shit. Yeah, I mean, I also, even though she is not a young black man who was killed by the police, yeah, she's definitely got empathy for the the struggle and the the injustice and this sort of stuff. She's you know, well, she wants to help. Yeah, no blacks, no Irish, no dogs. There you go. I know. So, uh, I mean, yeah. So it's you know, I mean, it's yeah. Again, a very worthy, good subject matter. Not knocking the, the subject matter, but as as the tune goes, which is obviously what we're assessing these things on. Yeah, don't love it. No, the sort of thing as well. You see on the YouTube comments, people going, "Oh, this is an important song. I'm glad you wrote it. It means a lot to me." But no, as a tune, you're never going to stick this on your your shuffle and go, "Wicked, this is come on." Yeah, banger. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And you know, not everything has to be a banger, but. But again, not you're not a banger, but also not not interesting in the way that, for example, the first song was. True. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move on to the next one then. Yeah. And the next one, guess what is the big one? Okay. So cool. nothing compares to you. Here we go. And instantly, you yeah. you you go. I remember this. Oh my god. Straight away from the I mean, I don't even have to remember this. I've got this. Right. And imagine. Being in 1990, this coming on, and this was your first introduction to Sinead O'Connor with the voice coming in. That's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, you know, got these strings underneath it which are just serving this vocal. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, this, I mean, this is surely one of the greatest vocal recordings of all time. It's beautiful. But you're right, the production absolutely serves it. That is the the right word, it doesn't overpower it. it, you know, I'm assuming it's probably Nelly Hooper again. I'm not sure, but he's not trying to put his mark too much on it. He's leaving it all to Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, absolutely. Swell underneath it. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Right. So. Okay. Well I've done. got. I've got to make a before we start. I've got to make a correction. Actually, oh, yes. what I said last week. Okay, because last week I was talking about uh, Prince. Uh, as I want to, uh, and I said that you know part of his genius was his generosity to give this song to Sinead O'Connor. Actually, we did a bit of reading this week. Turns out that wasn't the case. It was uh, recorded without kind of permission. So you don't need permission, no, but without uh, his, his uh... yeah. But he actually gave this song uh, to someone, one of his friends who was on uh, Paisley Park. Right. records with him right. from a band called The Family I'd heard of Family but I couldn't have told you yeah. I've, I've, I've not I've not heard their version I, I should have really taken the time and uh, looked it up but obviously this song was this version of it is the reimagining basically and yeah I mean, obviously I'm assuming I know you were a massive Prince fan even yeah. at the time you hadn't heard his version of this it wasn't released oh it was still in the it's, box it's, it's it? only, I mean yeah he, not even the, on rarities and the, stuff like no that. there was a there was a live version which was a duet which was released oh. on the B-sides thing of the of the hits 
Oh, okay. This, but that one, I don't think that was out at this point. I that, think was that was post a few, this. Yeah, I think that was a few years later. Okay. And then the uh, the original version of it only kind of got released after he after he died. But I was, I was reading an interview with his his, uh, his sound engineer, his long term sound engineer, and mm-hmm. she was talking about this song. It was like. You know, this is one of those things where he just disappeared off into a room for an hour and came out with the lyric. Yeah. Complete. Wow. Now, and it, the interesting thing about this is apparently, whilst obviously the song itself is about the death of a relationship. Yeah, it's a breakup. A- actually, where he was coming from at the time, because uh, he wasn't living with someone, he hadn't had that breakup. Right. But his housekeeper, who basically ran his life, had... Uh, had to go and deal with a dying father right and had disappeared so actually a lot the the real personal stuff in this song you know all those things like the uh, the the flowers that he planted mum in the backyard yeah. like all the stuff about the flowers dying these were flowers that were planted by his his uh, housekeeper and basically she'd had to go and deal with things so everything in his life would start to fall apart <laughs> no way. yeah I mean obviously you know you don't have to have experienced something to write about a song but it's quite interesting that's, that that's crazy but yeah this is one of the greatest probably well certainly one of the best greatest breakup songs ever written right, yeah. right? and half of the things weren't actually about a breakup they're about a housekeeper how good is that that's amazing I yeah. had no idea about that they were it, it, oh my god yeah, and the ironing's piling up. Yeah, and, and that coffee cup is getting moulded. Yeah. Right? We've reinvented penicillin. Yeah, yeah. Some... That's, that's the, the long lost fourth verse. Yeah, exactly. Man. But, but yeah, I mean this. But going back to the Sinead O'Connor version, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever, you don't obviously you, you don't listen with any of that stuff in your mind, right? Um, I mean, I you know, this is just a perfect song. It is gorgeous. It's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's heartbreaking. I mean, mm-hmm. no matter how many times I hear this song, it's still, you know, like if this song comes on and catches me and I'm in the wrong mood, this is a song I'll be like, I can't deal with this right now. I'll, yeah, I'm moving this on. You know, next time. Yeah, exactly. Right. But tell me at the time because you were aware of it at the time. It was massive. Yeah. What did you think of it then? I really liked it at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, it wasn't necessarily the kind of thing that I was. It wouldn't be something that I'd have probably gone out and bought. Yep. Uh, just because, I mean, it, you know, if I'd have had unlimited budget for singles, I'd have picked it up. Right. Sure. But as I was, you know, I could only afford the. Like I say, like I just got a CD player. Yeah. Any money I had was being saved up to buy a CD, which was about fifteen quid at I that point. Yeah. But the, the other thing is, you didn't need to buy it on CD because this was on the radio oh, yeah. all the time and it was number one for so long that you were guaranteed to see the video every week on top of the pops etc yeah I mean this song was on you know again this was a song that was one, you know uh, really broken in the US by MTV yep you know obviously the, the video if you haven't seen the video it's a close up shot of Sinead's face lit similar to the cover and there's just that iconic moment isn't there with a single tear just rolls Indeed. down her face oh my yeah. god it's such a good just simple it's one of those things where everything comes together and everything works yeah totally uh, like you said I was the same I, I wouldn't have bought it I was I liked it at the time I'll admit I did get very bored of it uh, because it, just, it was everywhere for so long sure yeah it was um, just ubiquitous it was ubiquitous exactly and that's the thing that's fine but because I was so into alright let's watch Top of the Pops and see what the new ones are yeah. oh this is number one again yeah uh, I'm not going to get to see this video because this is on again yeah that sort I, of thing yeah, yeah, I mean, fair enough yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sure I felt the same at the time yeah. but going back to it now this is a classic totally totally looking back as you know a much older person with less uh, vim and vigour about oh god not this again just enjoying for what it is 
Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, but the thing—the thing you've got to say—I mean, like this is this is Head and Shoulders, the best song on the record. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and you know, the irony is, obviously, she didn't she didn't write it. Mm. But what you what you've got to say is that she—I mean, you can't say that she didn't bring something new to this song. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, this is this is one. You know, this is one of those situations. People, when people talk about when is a cover better, a cover version better than the original, this is one of those one hundred percent. This this should be you know one of the first things come out of your mouth. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is this is John Carpenter's remake of the thing versus the original. Right, so uh, next track. Next one, okay. So track number seven of ten. Number seven is Jump in the River. Okay. Okay, we're back in stomper territory. Yeah, and again, uh, because uh, reading through the liner notes and stuff, this also has Andy Warp X Smiths on guitar and bass on this song. So, yeah, we're back in that, you know, chugging along in Mm -hmm. in the style. And this was actually... Uh, officially, this was the first single from the album because this was released. It was released two years previous to the album. It was released in 1988. Oh, okay. Very late 88, obviously, but it didn't do anything at all. So, what, um, so this wasn't on the previous album. No. So this was after the previous album before. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, but it was released as a single, didn't do anything, and then the, the, she recorded obviously the rest of the album and put it on, on there. She released it as a B-side at this point, on the B-side of nothing very serious. Okay. Well, this, I mean, again, like, musically, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's quite quite straight ahead. Like we say, it's, it's there's not, you know, like you say, it, it chugs along, it's got, you know, it's got some tempo to it. It's, uh-huh. Yeah, it's fine. But again, Christ, when you dig into the lyrics of this, some weird stuff. Oh there. my god! I mean, it seems to be about a tumultuous love affair that people don't approve of, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, I got that it was about a lover that she is very enamoured with, but it's not really working the way she wants it to. Or the way that she sees it is not the way that other people see it. Right. Okay. I mean, there's that line in there. Jesus Christ! Right. It's talking about like not being swayed about opinions, and the line, "The worm has laid eggs in their heads, but not in my heart." Yeah. Fucking <laughs> hell, mate. Bizarre. Yeah. yeah. There's some imagery. I mean, that is. And then there's a. And then remember the times we did it so hard there was blood on the wall yeah it's like and that's stood out you like like you maybe you need to listen to your friends Sinead <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, I it, mean it, it sounds like she and again I'm assuming this is probably true she probably got herself into some relationships that were not good for her yeah I and mean you her, can imagine that's the case yeah her point of view is going to be different to the rest of the world because that's what happens when you're in a that sort of weird and emotionally unstable relationship but just I mean just going through the lyrics of the song do you think that Sinead O'Connor is someone that is that will listen to you if she doesn't agree with you never absolutely no stubborn oh mate I think this is you know Mm. one of the most headstrong people you're likely to encounter I would imagine it's very hard work being Sinead O'Connor's friend yes well indeed as, as I suspect her life has proved she doesn't seem to have a lot of people looking out for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she doesn't have that sort of circle. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, just in terms of the whole sound of that song, 
I I got the impression it's the sort of thing that would fit in a film soundtrack for like US teams, maybe at a prom. Oh yeah, I mean I've got here. You've definitely got like really kind of you get those eighties uh, soundtrack synths coming through, mm-hmm. don't you? And you can kind of you can see the people with the hair doing the dancing. Yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. very much that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's why I, I pictured it. Okay, fair enough. I'm glad that it's, it's strange you come out of that because that's such a specific thing. But yeah, definitely. But it is that kind of it, yeah. that, for some reason that vibe comes off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's going to be a fight next to some lockers in a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. Someone spiked the punch. Something will say, "Go, go tigers!" <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, all right. So it's not bad. It's it's not a bad song, but it's it's a bit filler for me. This one, for me, musically, it's filler. But I mean, the lyrics in this song, sure. and that for me, it's like, wow, that's a, some that's some spiky writing. That's right. Those are not lyrics you expect to hear on a number one album. Well, this is the other thing. This is the first one of the three that we've done. Yeah, that is into that territory yeah yeah and she doesn't let up no and that's it you know like the first two records we've listened to are records that you know I'm never going to have an affinity with this this is more in my wheelhouse right number eight which is You Cause As Much Sorrow yes Mm, another happy tune yeah here we are Slow piano intro here. I'm full of good intentions. Like I never was before. See, I'm not keen on those vocals. That's that, that kind of weird, tremulous, quiet, timid. Thing she's doing, I don't don't get it from her. Mm. Very breathy, isn't it? Mm. It's very kind of John Lewis advert, right? Yeah. There, it's nothing. It's never that. But, no, but I it, know what you mean. But you know, you hear that with the piano, and it's it's quite uh, Tori Amos. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this this for me kind of singer songwriter. Yeah. Again, you know, I'm not that, not that interested in it really. Obviously, the song's called You Cause As Much Sorrow, mm-hmm. and the main lyric in it is uh, Dead As You Did Alive. Yeah. Right? And this is a song about her mother. Yes. This is, a, and fuck me, that's a damning thing to say that's about your mum. Incredibly horrible thing to say. I, I mean, wow. I yeah. mean, you, you've got to be feeling some powerful emotions, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's, uh, that's, the, uh, that's the thing that I find weird about this. Like, the level of emotion in the song is incongruous to the level of bile in the lyrics. Yeah, it's not an angry tune. It's not a violent tune, but no. it's really hard, hard words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, if, you, if you feel passionately enough to write that, then you would expect that to come through in the song. True. Uh, and again, I'm not, I'm not, you know, kind of questioning the sincerity on it, but it's... It just doesn't work for me as a piece. It's a in weird general. juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah, it, that's it, true. Again, it's, it, for me, the, the, this record works most when it's there's just a, a kind of a, a weird edge to something in there, which right. it's, it's doing something a little bit different. I yeah. say that obviously the album works best for me when it's nothing compares to you. Right. Is, okay. Sure. But anyway, right. But yeah. this, this one, this one, I don't mind it, but no, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I don't hate it, but I don't. Sure. And, like but you're right. It is. It does seem out of place with itself. And the, whenever you think of the the rest of the lyrics, there's that bit in there where there's kind of la 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 la's and stuff in that. 
like that's bizarre mm. you know that coming through at the end is just some backing thing coming it's like i don't think you need that yeah it does sound strange i mean i wonder though i wonder if that comes into the, the changing of your emotions from the day you wrote something to the day you sing it maybe you know but maybe. you know Maybe you kind of commit yourself to something and then you don't quite feel as, as strongly in the day. I don't know. Yeah, look, yeah, maybe she's in a more forgiving frame of mind a year on or something when she's actually come to record it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Okay, right. So, right, so we, okay, we've only got two songs to go. So, so let's do a little bit of a, a break yeah, from the album singles. and go into top 10 singles of the week. Right, so this week... In 1990, uh, top 10 singles. Number 10, we have Guru Josh Infinity. Yeah. <laughs> 1990. <laughs> yeah, time for, time for the Guru. Time for the Guru. Yeah, and this was this was everywhere as well. Oh, man, I loved this. Yeah. Not enough saxophone solos in house music either. Do you know what? That's my favourite thing about this fucking Sinead O'Connor record so far is there is no, <laughs> there are no horns in it. <laughs> but yeah, Guru Josh... Riding high at ten. God, that's, that is just so 1990 all over, isn't it? Well, fine. Well, yeah, you have that, Guru. I hope uh, hope it's treated you well the past 20 years. Uh, number nine is well, Michael Bolton. How am I supposed to live without you? We did uh, mention yeah. the album before. The single, which I think was number one previously in the US, yeah. had just got over to the UK. Yeah. So yeah, how am I supposed to? Live? And this is a. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. This song, obviously, it's overblown in every oh, mate, way. This song's been. This song was fucking. I mean, soaking knickers in unhappy marriages <laughs> across the world. <laughs> God, oh, the, the passion and the strained vocals. Oh my God, can you imagine? Yeah. Imagine him doing his tax return with the same level of emotion. <laughs> He had his eyes closed in every bit of the video, I'm sure. So the point where I was like, is he going partially sighted? <laughs> I want to see him walking down the road with a guide dog and a stick. Oh, let's get to the chorus. I mean, fucking hell. Yeah, it, 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 it's one of those classic power ballads. It's, it will go on forever in its own little world. As opposed to number eight, which is... Uh, let's have a more sax solo. Dave Stewart and Candy Dolfer. Oh, I love this. Lily as was well. here. I loved this. At the time. Really? I, I haven't heard this. I haven't heard this for a while. Okay. Right. Well, it, it's very of its time, production-wise. There. Almost sounds like the Miami Vice theme. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah, a bit of a uh, Yan Hammer. Yeah. Right. So yeah, where, where's this saxophone? From her album Sexuality. Sexuality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Dave Stewart first, right? Yeah. And then. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh god. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Okay. I, I, I haven't heard this in a long while. It hasn't yeah. held up well, has no, it? No, it, it's it's. It should be a scene in a, a steamy scene in a, a, like an eleven o'clock Channel Four TV show. Yeah, yeah. You know, whenever uh, it's like no, Hill yeah. Street Blues is happening. Or maybe like Tom Cruise is pretending he likes to have sex with women. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, through a that cause was, that was big as well. Of course it was. Yeah. It was. Um, people loved the fucking saxophone in the yeah. late eighties, early nineties. That's true. That's true. Uh, next one, 
uh, number ten, nine, eight, seven. This is bullshit. This is fucking dreadful. Right. See, see, tell me what this is straight away. Oh, this is Candy Flip. Yeah, yeah Candy Flip, fucking Strawberry candy Fields. Flip. Yeah. And the thing is, I'd obviously heard the Beatles version. I hadn't. I had at this point, you know, because it'll be on at some point. My mum or my aunt will have played it, absolutely. But this is the first time I heard it lots. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is what it's like, is it? Is this this song? Oh, fucking nonsense. This is terrible. Fucking mate. dreadful. This is terrible. Yeah, an embarrassment. Absolute fucking ridiculous. Yeah, everyone involved with it should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I remember, what the worst thing is, I remember liking it at the time. I did, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. But the thing is as well, because I, I seem to remember, so many songs had that kind of shuffling beat. Yeah. So I probably associated it with the good stuff that had that in it as well. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. this is a bit like fool's gold this is a bit like yeah uh, oh some sort of soul track or whatever oh, God, yeah. can you imagine if you actually thought that I know this is it that'd be like if you were the kind of person that bought a Creed album <laughs> thought, it, thought it was a bit like Nirvana yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, exactly true how many women do you reckon there are in America right now uh. that fucked someone from Creed and now really regret it <laughs> Oh, God. At one point, it was a really cool story, and now it's like, ah, oh, that <laughs> I guy. <laughs> I don't know the rest of Creed are in fucking Autobridge, didn't they? So they've yeah. kind of got some cred, but just, just the singer. Well, yeah, 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 Scott Stapp. <laughs> just oh, the dear. alcoholic Christian singer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, next one, number five. New Kids on the Block, I'll Be Loving You Forever. Oh, this is a bad song. Yeah. Uh, well, only, I don't remember this at the time at all. I had the album. Right, I, I had avoided as much of this as possible I think but yeah listening to it just to put it in this playlist this is rubbish yeah obviously again it's not for me yeah you know I wasn't a teenage girl yeah exactly I hear that though it's like mate that's that's like pure here's some Disney for your princess that's true isn't it yeah yes yeah. oh my little app. <laughs> And this is on their Sweet album called Jesus. Hanging Tough as well. <laughs> <laughs> We're rough, rough, rough. <laughs> Fucking shite. What? No. That is like some sub Donny Osmond shit right there, isn't it? Osmond is actually, that's so spot on. Yes. Yeah. Right, well, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that anyway. The next one isn't on Spotify. Luckily enough, Jive Bunnies, that sounds good to me. Um, We've talked about that before. Not, it's we, just shite. We don't need to hear Jive Bunny. No. Uh, who, but who apparently because I was looking up to see you know uh, if it was on YouTube and stuff still releasing records Joy Bunny is still releasing yeah, records well at least one in 2016 I mean how long do rabbits live for <laughs> <laughs> he's not a mixed master he's a mixomatosis master oh for fuck's sake yeah did you make that up I just did wow anyway uh, number three this is this is goody though. Erasure of Blue Savannah. Oh my god, this yeah. is a tune. This is exactly this is finally we get to something decent in the top ten. I must admit though, I, if you'd said to me when was Blue Savannah, I'd, I'd have gone 80s straight away. No, I'd have said 90. Did you? Right, fair enough. I would have I'd thought it was much earlier. No, this was uh yeah, it wasn't like this was this was like third album for them or something? I'm not sure. I'm not sure album wise. 
There you go. Come on. I, I mean, I like when I made my do do like when I see like the Eurasia just had so many waves. Yeah. Well, oh. it's, it, each one was just a big hit. That's yeah. a catchy, catchy tune. Mate, Andy Bell, what a voice. Yeah. What a voice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, happy with that one. Cool. That number three. Number two, and this has been hanging around for a while, I think. So you'll, you'll get this one immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Be from the Yeah. And this was massive. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved this song, right? And, and I've got to admit, this, this, is, this is a song that has really suffered from overuse overuse over the years that's exactly what it is yeah, yeah. Uh, and because this is a great song but it but I struggle with it now yeah if it came on on a shuffle I'd skip it yeah, yeah. pretty much yeah. yeah nine times out of ten every now and again it will hit me and I'll be like oh, I'm going to listen to this yeah. but yeah. it's the sort of thing as well um, uh, even if if someone got me to DJ a wedding right and I knew that that would fill the floor I'd probably go oh, I don't know if I want to I would just yeah. not out of spite but just out of God it's so tired and I, I've got to say that I think the one thing about the B-52s for me mm. it's at the back of my mind I genuinely believe that Greg Proops is the singer from the B-52s <laughs> never seen them together no exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. no it, it, exactly it's a good tune played far too much and it is I mean, it's a bit cloying it's, yeah. a, it's, it's overly uh, ridiculously poppy but the first few times you hear that fucking brilliant yeah yeah sure. And then number one, and this is brilliant. What have we got? Part one, jam nitty gritty. You're listening to the boy from the big bad city. This is jam hot. This is jam hot. Mate, what tune? Fucking brilliant. Oh my god. Straight away. First time I heard this, I was yeah. I was in love with it. Yeah. So, so obviously, like uh, Norman Cook involved in this. Yes, did indeed. He, did he write the whole tune? What well, was the cover? Oh god, it is a it's cover. A cover. Oh, exactly. it's, it's, the, the bass line is a class sample, and the vocal yeah. is a cover of a. Is it not Corgi's? Uh, I can't remember the name. It's, it's, it's like seventy-nine, eighty. Yeah, uh, we mean, did it. But yeah, so but he's he's put the two together. It's almost like a mashup. Yeah. Uh, but I'd never heard either of those before. Yeah. I had not heard the class one. I'd not heard the original. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Lindy Layton's vocal on it. Brilliant. Oh, great. And I fancied the shit out of it. Same as. Like, yeah. as, a, as a teenage boy. Well, this like, is it. You know, in that video, and she's wearing a hoodie, she looks yeah. just really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that did it for me. Well, I'd like to take you to a disco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and this was number one for a while as well, I seem to remember. It, it, oh, yeah, this was a long number one. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I, I remember them on top of the pops with it. Yeah. And, yeah, and like really miming that tank fly boss walk Indeed, really badly. Yes, really badly. And obviously, listening to it now, yeah. it's ridiculous. Mm. It is cheesy as shit, and I don't know where, who wrote it yeah. and what they thought they were saying. But at the time, I thought it was the coolest fucking thing. Oh, yeah, me too, man. Yeah. Tank fly boss? What? No idea. Yeah, no idea, mate. No idea at all. <laughs> you keep saying those words there, my friend. Yeah. yeah. This is this is Well Street. Brilliant tune. Right. So, yeah, very happy with it. That's, so on a similar talking. note, let's get back into Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> talking of street. Okay, so yes, uh, we're into the final stretch. Track nine of ten is okay. last day of our acquaintance. So right, let's start this one. Another slow starter. Yep. 
Okay, so that's what it's doing at the beginning, anyway. Yeah, uh, it's a song about divorce. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, having gone through the relationship songs where it's not working or is it working? She's just gone for this bit of it. This is a divorce song. Um, Do we wonder, right? Because mm-hmm. obviously, there's that time lapse between uh, um, the the song about blood on the wall. Yep. Right. Because that's a couple of years earlier. Do we think it's the same relationship? Well, here's the thing, right? She, she was uh, married to a guy called John Reynolds, who's also one of the producers of this album, right. and is on drums on some songs. Okay. She had her first child by him in 1987. Yeah. And they were together. Yeah. She didn't divorce him until 1991. Okay. And so, if she's writing this song, I can only imagine he was a bit perturbed. Right. Because she's it's a very... It's, you know, not specific. It's not about a specific case, but it's a very definite song about divorce and meeting in the office to have the end yeah. of your friendship. Yeah, and he's still married to her at the time. Well, I mean, who knows what's going on though? Do you know what I mean? There could yeah, be, true. you know, it could have been they were they were ready for it and it Maybe didn't so. happen. Maybe or, so. You know. But then also, he's he's a drummer on some of this. So it's just bizarre right, that just still... gig's a gig though, isn't it? <laughs> You've met drummers. True. <laughs> drummers not going to turn down something for something like emotion. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's about how formal and stilted the end, those death throes of a relationship yeah. really are. Yeah. That you, you've lost all the spark from the beginning. Right. Anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, I found this song very moving, if the truth be told. Oh, really? Okay. I really like this one. Okay. I thought everyone, everything lined up in this. It's not doing anything like particularly new or amazing, but mm. I I just thought it was really nicely delivered. I thought it was a, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, a, it's an album track, obviously, but yeah. it's, it's, it's a really good album track. I, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I like the, I, I think it's a, I don't like the message. I don't like singing about mm. divorce, or whatever. But I think it's a well uh, put together yeah. uh, imagery and the, the way she makes you think about it. I think exactly. that is good. Um, there's one line in it that kind of jarred with me. But a bit about you used to hold my hand when the plane takes off. Yeah, to, to, that's a little bit sixth form poetry to me. Well, I mean, it's you know, if it's a you know, if it's it depends how you look at it, I suppose. If it's if it's a a real thing that happens and it's a thing that's you mm. know, I mean, I think you know, if you're if you're to, like appraising Sinead O'Connor's writing in any way, you've kind of go, it's all got these personal touches. So if you look at it yeah. in terms of that, it's it's in keeping with the rest of it. That's true. That's true. It just jarred a bit for me a little. Okay, I think it's okay. That's because you're totally a cynical old bastard. Well, there's that. There's yeah. that. Um, I did like. But three minutes in, it kind of kicks up, kicks up a gear. So it's been doing this for a little bit. Yep. And yeah. I, and then this big yeah, breakdown. Exactly. There's there's your Radiohead creep yeah. bit there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's what separates it as well. Fair I, yeah. This is. I wrote breakdown at the end here. I forgot about it. But yeah, yeah. this is. Yeah. No. Exactly. This is where it, it actually. Picks it up on notch for me. Yeah, this is this is really good. But also listening to this and her vocals yeah. and that style, that's Alanis Morissette. Oh my god, it is. Oh wow, this is Alanis Morissette. Yeah, yeah. This is surely Alanis is whatever. Let's say early teens at this point. Yeah, she's probably listening to this. 
weekend. Some ideas. Oh, wow. I wonder if that's true. Let's let's phone up Alanis yeah. and ask her. <laughs> yeah. No, this, is, this is okay. It absolutely is all right. But I don't know. There's just some bits a bit jarring me. No, I, I, I like this one. This is one of my this is one of my favourites on the record. Fair play. And I think I think if the whole song had sounded like that stomp at the end, it'd have been a, it'd have been a single. It, uh, totally, because it, it does come in three and a half minutes in, exactly. with only one minute to go. Mm-hmm. Had it come in a minute and a half, yeah. and there'd been two verses like that, straight away, there's yeah. radio. Uh, you know, in America especially, that's a radio hit. Oh, sure. Yeah. Straight away, straight away. Right, so we're at the end. We are. This is it. This well, is the last one, track number 10. Yeah. Uh, right, so this is the title track, I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got. I would say I'll skip to the bit where it changes, but it doesn't. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, I, I don't think anything really would have surprised me about this because I expect it to be a contrarian. But mm. uh, finishing that album with a five and a half minute, well, nearly six minute yeah. solo vocal performance. Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't, I mean, it's, it's not what I'd have done. <laughs> but, no, I mean, no. I mean, not, not I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, who gives a fuck what I'd have done? I've never recorded a record. Well, never recorded a recent record that anyone's listened to but for me the main thing about this right regardless of whether the choice to do that is a good or a bad thing I've got, I've got mixed feelings about mm-hmm. that in records generally spoken word in what is essentially a spoken word piece in the middle of I mean that's, it's but, not because it's, she it's, 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 but it's an acapella yeah uh, and it's a, as well and it doesn't do anything else except for that one little up and down bit that's it for the five minutes exactly and Nothing it's else. It, you know and the thing about it right so if you've got that then the message of the song and the lyrical content of it has to sustain it alone because mm-hmm. right? that's what you've got yep. but what's what's funny about this song is the the message of this song is um, I'm content with what I've got I don't want what I, have, what I haven't got right? that's mm-hmm. what that is but that is utterly incongruous with the rest of the record the rest of the record is someone in conflict with themselves yeah. constantly asserting that they're right everybody else is right I don't, this is someone searching for something right yes and this is someone that definitely wants some peace right? and, something oh, yeah. that they, and that is something that they haven't got so, yeah. so that's the main problem with this for me it's bullshit I think she believes it but I think it's bullshit right but another thing I was reading around this was that she was investigating um, is it Kabbalah or Kabbalah yeah. Kabbalah and she, she was getting into that and there's a line somewhere else about everything I need is inside me yeah. so this to me is her trying to project that well if you you know if you, if you start off with that uh, that beginning quote um, uh, oh god uh, give me the yeah I mean that's kind yeah. of all about mindfulness okay sure My, you know kind of mindfulness all kind of attaches around all of these things it's the voice of someone uh, vocalising something that they desire okay right okay but that doesn't make it true sure and I think the one thing that we can see from Sinead over the years is that whatever piece she's been looking for, she's not found. I mean, no, no, she's you know, still and you know, I, I mean, you know, she's still looking for it in different religions. Yes, you know, I mean, you know, we're recording this in in November. She's with she's been in the news this week, converting, converting to Islam yeah. and making statements about normally spend time with white people and yeah. you know, just typically controversial, big statements. 
you know, I mean, I've seen people kind of coming down, oh, what a stretch. And it's like, mate, this is someone that's not well. No, she is, she's dramatically unwell. She's dramatically Still unwell. Is. Yeah. And, you know, she's, uh, you know, I think sometimes having the resources to be unwell is not the greatest yeah. help to people. No, and I suspect the, her stubborn headed thing is probably not helping because no matter what anyone else says, I don't know what circle she has around her. Yeah. A lot of her family seem to have abandoned her. Um, she doesn't talk to some of her, her kids that well so she's not got people helping her out and yeah. saying come this way or don't do this it's going to be bad for you or, or whatever I suspect you know I mean I, I mean, again I, I'm very loath to talk a lot about something I don't really know about but I'm, yeah. I'm sure she has burnt a lot of bridges herself yeah I'm sure that's I'm sure people have tried to help her and anyway that's but, going to be part of her pain yeah but yeah so I mean you know, let's hope she kind of Find something, but yeah. So anyway, so just to sum up this record, so sum up this last song. Yeah, uh, unnecessary for me. Yes, um, I think contrarian. The word you used is probably correct. I think she's done it on purpose, stuck it on as sure. a, a tester. Uh, it's not one that people are going to enjoy as much as endure, but it's what she wants to do. Yeah, and fair play to her. Uh, and you know, again, in that regard, it is in keeping with the rest of it. I mean, this is let's talk about this album as a whole. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, for me, this is the first of the three records we've listened to where this is an artist mm-hmm. uh, who's got something, something that they really have to say. Right. Okay. And whether it all holds together, it's, it's kind of got that's kind of, you know, kind of uh, very kind of, it's, it's a very bitty album. It's, in, yeah. it's, it's, it's certainly not something that, that holds together as a complete piece of work, I don't think. No, she's trying a lot of different things in there. Yeah. But it's it to me it's, it's a record that signifies uh, a, a very creative person, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know I I gotta say I was pleasantly surprised by it. Same as yeah, I wasn't sure what I was going to get out of this. No. Um, I was I was scared that it was going to be a lot more of the uh, nothing compares to you, just ballads. Yeah, um, produced ballads. I was also unsure if it was just going to be discordant nonsense yeah because I or, or, or not discordant but no tunes sure just yeah. literally oh this, here's a song that I'm going to have to listen to and I didn't like that no actually really enjoyed this yeah really enjoyed it I say it, it, it's not a classic album uh, yeah I, I don't think I'm going to put it on again as an album no. I'm happy to listen to some of these for, for sure in the future but yeah no. it, it's something where you go okay whatever your opinion of, of this is mm-hmm. you can't question that there's someone trying to, to achieve something definitely uh, and working their way out through it so yeah not, not a perfect record not no. again like I say I'm, I'm with you I'm not going to be going back but when it comes to uh, our playlist oh, indeed yes of the what we're, pop collaborating listen playlist what we're going to put on it okay right, this so. is last week I was struggling for anything oh right? god yeah and here, no, well, last week there was only one that was possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm here, and I'm like, okay, nothing, nothing no, there goes on it. Okay, right? that's, yeah, that's, that's a given. That's, that's a given. I'm going to say I would like to see Emperor's New Clothes on there. Yes, I give. I, I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I would also. Uh, I think we'll probably disagree on this one. I'd make a case for Last Day of Our Acquaintance. Okay. Uh, but I'll, I'll be happy to concede that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would I would, I would put last days of our acquaintance in okay. uh, as, because as an example of what the album is. Yeah, I think it's fine. Perfect. Yeah, right, right, there so, we go. And that's the three. We've, we've agreed on three maximum. There's the three. Okay, sweet. Done. Um, and, and I think it's worth just 
going over how big this album was at the time. Yeah. Uh, it was, I mean, obviously the single was the, the boost. It was the catalyst. Yeah. But it went fucking massive worldwide. It mm-hmm. was, you know, Grammy nominated. Uh, she she won a Brit and a Grammy and was the first person to refuse uh, collecting them. Apparently. Nice. Uh, she was the first Irish woman to top both the UK and US album charts. Yeah. Seven million copies. This is yeah. this massive album. Yeah. And let's not forget, most importantly, mm-hmm. inspired one of the best episodes of Father Ted. <laughs> that is also true. Yeah. <laughs> God, I wonder if she hates that. I wonder if she's... I mean, you know, you'd kind of hope she's got a sense of humour about it, but mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't reckon she probably has. <laughs> I don't... She's probably, she probably seen it and doesn't think it's about her. That could be true. But there you go. But anyway, uh, right. Okay, wow. So, okay, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that of the three albums that we've listened to so far, this is so far my favourite number one album of the 90s. <laughs> yes, there you go. That's, that's what we can say. Yeah. Truthfully. Well, exactly. <laughs> that we've listened to on the podcast. Yeah. Anyway, right. <laughs> well, uh, I guess we'll leave it there then. Okay, until next week then. Thank you very much. Till next time. Mm-hmm.